Hello, everyone, and welcome to Dream Leapers Inspiration. My name is Harriet Cole, and I'm very honored to be your host for this very special moment that we get to spend together in thanks, in communion, with the intention of inspiring each other to be our best, to pursue our highest dreams, and to acknowledge all that we have and all that we have to offer. We are in Thanksgiving season, and I wanted to theme today's inspiration on exactly that, Thanksgiving. What are you grateful for? What makes your heart smile and sing? What, if you really look deeply within your spirit and look around at your life, what makes you smile? Where does your gratitude come from? Thanksgiving is the season of gratitude that we, we are encouraged to open our hearts and to allow that softness to show itself to others, to embrace joy and to acknowledge the little things and the big things that make us happy and make this life worth living. And when we are experiencing challenging times, sometimes we don't see the greatness, the goodness, the tiny little things that make a difference, which is why I thought it was so important for us to explore just a little more deeply Thanksgiving, the meaning of Thanksgiving. Let's invoke that together. And I start with, well, there's so many things, but I will tell you that I start with the birth of my daughter, Carrie. She turned 17 this year. Always her birthday is celebrated in Thanksgiving week. When she was born 17 years ago, her birthday was two days before Thanksgiving. This year, the day before Thanksgiving some years on Thanksgiving, but I'll never forget. Uh, I was in the hospital. She was born. She came three weeks early, so we were ready, but we didn't think she was coming that soon. Because I had a C-section, we had to stay in the hospital for a few days. So we actually had Thanksgiving dinner in the hospital. And I want to say, this is a time when I can commend the hospitals that, um, what is now uh, yeah, Mount Sinai uh, in New York City, we, we requested a real Thanksgiving dinner. And we had to pay a little more for it, but they rolled in a tray with, with um, a white cloth, tablecloth with actual flatware. There was turkey, there were fixings. And we had this lovely, lovely experience of enjoying Thanksgiving with our beautiful baby who had come to us during that time. Every year, my gratitude is just, just begins to bubble forth because I'm so grateful for my daughter. My husband and I are so happy to have her, to watch her evolve and mature into the young woman she is becoming. And so we give thanks very palpably 
What about you? What stands out as something undeniable that you give thanks for during this season? I know there's something, there's usually more than one thing that we can note and pinpoint and say, yes, that. I know uh, yesterday I interviewed the legendary gospel singer, B.B. Winans. It was a really wonderful, uplifting interview. And I talked to him about Thanksgiving because you know it's right here and asked, but with his large family, what are they going to be doing when we're engaging with family in different ways because of the times in which we live where we can't gather face to face the way that we once did? He said, in the past, more than 100 family members would gather together for a magnificent feast. And I said, oh, are you doing that this year? Hope not. He says, absolutely not. But what they are doing, he says, every Saturday, different gatherings of family, everybody's invited, but different, different iterations of family come together to in fellowship using technology. And so they're going to do that very same thing on Thanksgiving Day so that they can be together with each other safely. And, you know, first of all, I imagine, what is it like to have a family with 100 members? My family is very small. But however small or large your family is, and whether your family is nuclear family, people who share your blood, or the people you have chosen as family, I bet this is a time when you express your gratitude toward them because we're remembering them. Again, our hearts soften when we think about them. And I like to think about specific things about people that I can engage with them on. So I can call, I can send a note, I can send a text, I can send a photo. You know, those kinds of things don't take much time, but they make such a huge difference when you reach out to loved ones and let them know, I'm grateful for you. I'm grateful for you. I want you to know that I'm thinking about you, that you are in my heart. Now, I found a great quote that, interestingly, when I looked up Thanksgiving, there are many things about Thanksgiving Day and gathering around the table, but I wanted to go deeper. And, and when you go deeper, now, thanks. Giving thanks is offering gratitude, right? It's not even, you don't have to go that deep. That's what it's about. And so I found a wonderful quote I'll read to you. Gratitude unlocks the fullness of life. It turns what we have into enough and more. It turns denial into acceptance, chaos to order, confusion to clarity. It can turn a meal into a feast, a house into a home, a stranger into a friend. Gratitude makes sense of our past, brings peace for today, and creates a vision for tomorrow. And this beautiful quote is from Melody Beattie. That was a lot, so let me read it to you again. Ready? Gratitude unlocks the fullness of life. It turns what we have into enough and more. It turns denial into acceptance, chaos to order, 
confusion to clarity. It can turn a meal into a feast, a house into a home, a stranger into a friend. Gratitude makes sense of our past, brings peace for today, and creates a vision for tomorrow. Think about that. All of that in gratitude, all of that expansiveness and just openness, love from gratitude, of course it does. You know, I, I think about my grandmother for whom my daughter is named. She was Carrie. And my grandmother was born in 1889. She was, she's from Calvert County, Maryland, which is along the Eastern shore of Maryland. She was actually alive when Frederick Douglass and Harriet Tubman were alive. Don't know if she knew them. I didn't know that to be a question when I was growing up to ask her. She would have been a child when they were elders, but it's along the Underground Railroad. And my grandmother moved to Baltimore when she was young. She was a domestic worker until she was 93. Her husband, my grandfather, Harvey, and by the way, their last name was Freeland. Interesting. Uh, Freeland, as we would say it, but it's the words Freeland. He was a porter. So they were what we now, I guess, would call working class people. They never had much money. They never had much anything. They had what they needed. They were frugal and they had what they needed. But one of the stories that my grandmother would tell and my mother would tell about her mother and growing up is that there were always people from the country who would come from Calvert County to the city, Baltimore, family members, people from the community who were coming to the city to find work, to help take care of their families and to uplift their lives. And many of them would pass through, we called her little grandma because she was four foot nine, uh, would pass through little grandma's house and everyone was welcome. She turned no one away. Every meal was stretched so that, as this quote said, a meal can become a feast. Every meal was stretched so that there was enough for everyone to get something to eat. And I'm telling you, these are from people who did not have much. But that generosity of spirit and, and sense of community made the cup overflowing. And that was that's a story that I often think about because it just shows a mindset. The mindset of gratitude for whatever they had. And the understanding that whatever you have, you can share a little bit of it with somebody else. That if there's someone in need, notice that person, offer something. Now I'll tell you another story, which is just interesting and, and one that I bet you others might uh, relate to. I have two sisters. My younger sister, Stephanie, is the angel of our family. And uh, I, actually, when I say that, I have to say of, I would say of me and my sisters, because my daughter, Carrie, I call my angel, so let's not get that twisted. <laughs> but far before uh, Carrie was even born, Stephanie is who I would call the angel of the family. And she is incredibly generous. She cannot walk past a person 
in need and not offer something. She lives in Maryland. Coming to New York to visit me, I remember in the early days when she would come and there would be people begging on the street and every single person she passed, she would give money, sometimes dollars. And I said, you know, you cannot give money to everyone on the street. We need to give in different ways because they're just, you will, no matter how much money you have, you will run out if you are handing money to every person who asks you in the city, not meaning that you can't be generous, but you have to figure out ways to be generous that are balanced. And that was a hard thing for her to understand. A few years ago, I met her in Penn Station in New York City. For those of you who haven't been there, I mean, it is the hustle bustle. It's probably like that even now in COVID. But when there was no COVID, hundreds and thousands of people are moving in and out of this uh, train station all day long. Well, there are a couple of restaurants in there, one at least, that is more of a restaurant than a fast food place. And she suggested that we eat there because we were only able to meet for a few minutes. And it has sort of an outdoor, it's inside, but an outdoor area where you can sit. And I was sitting waiting for her. And as she was approaching me, people were asking her for money. She was handing out money. We go sit down. All this between us and the folks is a, it's, you know, a, a little fence, a little barrier. And of course, the people who, who had seen her giving other folks money came over to her asking for, for her to give them money. And it was beautiful and challenging. She did share another dollar with someone. And then she had to say, I'm sorry, I'm going to eat now with my sister. How do we give as much as we can and know that we have to balance it and figure out other ways that we can give? It's such an incredible challenge because in this life, there are so many people who are in need, so many people who need more than you or I may. No matter what we need, there's somebody who needs more. And so we must give, we must be generous. We must give from our hearts, our souls and our pocketbooks whenever we can. It's important to select charities and organizations that work 24 seven to help people. And at this time of year, it's wonderful to think about that and to identify who we are going to choose to offer our hard earned resources, some of our bounty with so that we pick carefully. And when we pick carefully, we can ensure that we are, that every dollar is going where we believe it should go to help people who may need that extra cup of coffee, that extra bowl of soup like my grandmother used to make, that extra dollar like my sister so generously offers all the time. What do you do to show your gratitude and love and share your abundance with others? I think this is a great thing for us to talk about now in the space of Thanksgiving because it is the end of the year and there's gotta be more that we can give. If we dig deep into the wellspring of our beings and our hearts and think about who can we 
support? What cause can we support? How can our generosity reflect our gratitude for the lives that we have? I, that I serve on the board of a charity called the Prasad Project. I've been on the board since 2014 and we do humanitarian work all over the world. And I'd like to tell you a little bit about them now because this is an organization where I choose to share my resources and time every year. A lot of the work is done in India, some is done in Mexico and some right here in New York State. I have had the opportunity to, first of all, to travel all over the world. I'm so grateful to see how other people live and to learn from them and also to understand really how rich America is. Even if you don't feel rich compared to many other people around the world, you probably are. One of my trips to India, um, we were traveling to visit a small village where Prasad had helped the, the villagers to build toilets because, and this was just a few years ago, in the 2000s, I mean, maybe it was around 2015, 16, in this community, in this time, people did not have toilets. They would have to go out and at night, it would be dangerous for the women to go out in what my husband calls the bush and relieve themselves. And so we helped them to build toilets that have a septic system built inside so that it can remain clean for a long period of time and, and uh, and disintegrate the refuse. When I looked at that and saw how grateful these people were for the support, how well they tended these bathrooms that are like outhouses, but they're beautifully, um, they were marble and stone were used to craft them. And I don't know, it cost like $20, American dollars, something like that to build a very low price, I realized this is a time for me to practice gratitude. I, I just recognize how grateful I am for my life. Watching people walking along these dirt roads without shoes on, almost every other person didn't have on shoes. And so the soles of their feet had turned into leather basically to protect their feet. And I thought about how many shoes I have at home it really changed my perspective and made me think differently about resources, how we use our resources and how we can, with all the bounty that we have, even now if the bounty is a little less, we can give, we can share from our bounty with others who are in incredible need, but you know what? We can get from them too, because I felt it the sense of, of dignity and strength and purpose that so many of these people had. They might not have had dollars, but in their currencies called rupees, they may have had very few rupees, but they had strong souls, strong presence. We watched people walking down the street in beautiful saris that were gilded saris, dynamic colors. They were walking without shoes they were proud and strong, proud and humble at the same time. When I say proud, it's different from the pride of wealth and things that we see here sometimes. It was a pride of self, of carriage, shoulders back, 
head held high, eyes pointed forward, whether they had a basket on their head, whether they were balancing water jugs or whatever they were carrying with their body being the vehicle. It gave me pause, made me grateful for my life, made me see the bounty of my life differently and made me recommit to this charitable effort that I love so much, the Prasad Project. And there's so many other charities that we can consider to share our love, our resources, and to show our gratitude for our whole world. What if someone in India has a better life because we were able to share a few dollars? I've traveled to Africa several times. This was when I was working for Essence Magazine. And we got to see wealthy black Africans and poor black Africans. And I say that because not all Africans are black. And again, with people who, when I say poor, that's really not the right word. People who had less means, people who had incredibly limited means, they almost always had a richness of spirit that would challenge any of us. And so how can we learn from them, share with them as they share their sense of self and dignity with us? I think that by obviously travel is a great thing for us to do. Right now we can't travel the way we used to, but we can travel through reading, through watching documentaries, through contacting charitable organizations that we can learn about other people and how we can support them. Generosity soothes the spirit and more it connects us to other people. It helps us to know that we aren't any better or different from them other than we may have greater means. And if we do have greater means, how can we share some of those means? I want to tell you one other thing that Prasad does because it's fascinating. You know, I study a lot about what's going on in our world and our country. I live in New York City. I've told you that many times. Just shy of two hours north of here, still in New York, in Sullivan County, we have what's called the uh, Children's Dental Health Program. We have a mobile clinic for children in New York to provide affordable dental care for children in New York in that area because they have very little means and they often have poor dental hygiene. What I learned is that poor dental hygiene for children is the leading cause of children being out of school when they were able to go into school. And it is, uh, when you have poor dental hygiene, it can mean your whole body could get sick. And this is children two hours north of where I live in Manhattan who have so little means, they and their families, they often don't have transportation. They live in an area where there are no subways. Uh, and so we created this offering of dental service to help those children. Why do I share that with you? Because I wonder if you realize perhaps in your own community, there are people suffering. 
Uh, this summer we spent time in Sag Harbor, which is in the Hamptons. The Hamptons is known for being very, very wealthy. I went to a farmer's market and there was a woman selling pasta and my daughter loves pasta. This was homemade pasta. And when I went over to talk to her, she had this beautiful display and she explained that they were selling pasta to raise money to feed homeless and hungry families in Montauk, which is at the tip of the Hamptons. When I tell you Montauk probably has one of the highest uh, household incomes of New York State, all the Hamptons, it's very wealthy, except not just wealthy. There are people who have very little. This was eye-opening for me. Now, I'd seen there are lots of people who work there, lots of services, you know, from landscaping and restaurants and all kinds of other services. So I recognize that there has to be a service industry to support the wealth. But it was really surprising to me to learn that there are people, even there, who don't have a, a, a warm meal or any meal. And this was... It was during COVID, but it was in the early days of COVID. I am not telling you these stories to make you feel guilty. I'm telling you because it's important for us to understand in this world, there's so many different people. All of us need something. Right now, for sure, we need a hug. And we, we have to do what uh, my friend Rashid says, give yourself a hug because we can't touch each other the way that we want to. But also, we can be generous, express our gratitude for everyone in this world, and find a charity that supports people, that makes sure that people have enough food to eat, that they have the medical services that they need. And the great news is, in America, you can get a tax write-off for it. I, I know. I, I went down another road this road to understanding generosity and gratitude and in the spirit of thanksgiving, I think it's so very important for us to not just say it, but to take action. I recommend that each one of us should find a charity and offer something. That something could be $5, $20, $500, something. Find a charity, offer something, to a cause you believe in that will help other people have a more fulfilled life, that will help other people have a warm meal today, tomorrow, and the next day. Everybody has something they can give that helps people to put a warm coat on their back. If you have five coats, give one away. This to me is showing the spirit of thanksgiving the generosity that we can have to offer to others that can connect us to the whole world and help us to feel whole and to feel loved, that we love, that we share love, and that especially during these tough times, we open our eyes, we pay attention, we notice needs and help to fill them. I think that would be so beautiful for us to do during this time of Thanksgiving. Let me read that quote to you one more time before we go. From Melody Beattie. Gratitude unlocks the fullness of life. It turns what we have into enough 
and more. It turns denial into acceptance, chaos to order, confusion to clarity. It can turn a meal into a feast, a house into a home, a stranger into a friend. Gratitude makes sense of our past, brings peace for today, and creates a vision for tomorrow. Isn't that beautiful? I want to say I am grateful for each and every one of you who connects with me in this way. Feel free to offer, uh, to share with your friends that this Dream Leapers Inspiration is now a podcast. Uh, you can find it, Dream Leapers Inspiration with Harriet Cole, anywhere that podcasts are available. Tell your friends, uh, share with them the love that we've been sharing together. I hope that over these months that we have been connecting in this way, that you are inspired to reach a little higher, to dig a little deeper into your spirit, to find the greatness in you, and to cultivate that. That's what Dream Leapers is all about. I do hope that you are inspired to offer your gratitude of Thanksgiving during this time. I offer mine to you with all the love in my heart. Thank you for being with me today and each of the days that we gather. And until we meet again, have a great day and make it count. Namaste.